Hello and welcome to another episode of High Low with Emrata. This is the solo episode that comes out on Thursdays where I pose a question and we investigate it. Today we're asking the question, why do I hate the word empowerment? (laughs) I went on Eileen's podcast and touched on it and I felt like I listened back to that part of the clip and I felt like, ugh, I really want to explain this a little bit more, why I prefer the word control over empowerment, why I feel that empowerment, the term empowerment has become this word that really is just meant to sell women products and a feeling and get to the bottom of that and why my reaction to that is to that word is discussed because of how much my own politics have evolved. And I think that I have a little bit of shame around the way that I used to throw that word around. And to talk about the way the marketplace has taken the term empowerment and used it as a way to sell women an idea and products that is actually ultimately quite oppressive and is very disempowering, in fact. This is a topic that I have thought a lot about. It's a big part of the introduction of my book. You may have seen me choking about it on Z-Way's show (laughs) and something about empowerment came up and I said to her jokingly, because I do think white women in particular really embrace the term empowerment or have embraced the term empowerment. Everything is fucking empowering. I was like, I don't even know what empowerment even means. Empowering, you know? And then I told her, which is the truth, by the way, when I was writing the book, I Googled what empowerment was, which I did again for this podcast and was shocked to find that it's basically a feeling that women get is the definition. I mean, not literally. The first definition of empowerment is authority or power given to someone to do something. And then the second is the process of becoming stronger and more confident, especially in controlling one's life and claiming one's rights. And then there's a quote, political steps for the empowerment of women. I found this really funny. I googled empowerment. And one of the first things that came up, which I think ties into this episode a little bit, is a Forbes article called How to Avoid the Pitfalls of Empowering Your Workforce. Ooh, ooh, talk about capitalism, baby. That one fucked me up, honestly. It was very funny to me. Then other funny things that came up. Then I googled female empowerment and definition Things to know, definition popped up. What is female empowerment? What is women's empowerment? Women's empowerment can be defined to promoting women's sense of self-worth, their ability to determine their own choices, and their right to influence social change for themselves and others. Okay, this sounds good, right? But I want to talk a little bit about why the word empowerment bothers me so much and why it's been taken over by the commodification of women. And we're going to talk about a couple things here. We're going to talk about Trick Mirror, Gia Tolentino's book, and her incredible essay, Always Be Optimizing, which I highly recommend. If you haven't read Trick Mirror, this is, I think, one of my favorite essays in the book. The other one is probably the lead essay, The Eye in Internet. And we're going to talk about 
the beauty standard and capitalism and feminism and how terms like empowerment have been hijacked by our marketplace, essentially. All right, let's get into it. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Okay, so not to be that girl, but I am going to read from the introduction of my book a little bit because I think that my own journey with the term empowerment is crucial to what I'm talking about and to my irritation with the term, um, my current irritation. So my politics have really evolved. But when I first started out uh, modeling, I'd read Naomi Wolf's The Beauty Myth, which we're actually going to get into because Gia Tolentino references the beauty myth. And I understood a lot about feminism in the sense of liberation, but I was definitely more connected to lipstick feminism. So in this introduction, I'm talking about Blurred Lines. And when I came out in Blurred Lines, all these people asked me about the video. And I basically said, like, yeah, it was my choice. Now I'm getting this attention and this power. Who's to say that wasn't empowering? And it makes me now, I feel ashamed of saying that. I do. But I also have learned to feel compassionate with sort of my younger self and my defiance. This is what from the introduction I said, I argued that I felt confident in my body and my nakedness. And who was anyone to tell me that I wasn't empowered by dancing around naked? In fact, wasn't an anti-woman to tell me what to do with my body? Feminism is all about choice. I reminded the world. So stop trying to control me. (sighs) I still do believe this. And I talk about where these politics, the origin of these politics started for me, which honestly started when I was like in middle school and I'd hit puberty with dress codes and whatever. And I said, to me, girls sexualizing themselves wasn't the issue as feminists and anti-feminists would have us believe, but shaming them was. Why were we the ones being asked to adjust, to cover up and apologize for our bodies? I was tired of feeling guilty for the way I presented myself. Fair. Again, I'm just trying to explain my position at that point and why my politics were what they were. I thought that there was basically so much power and choice. And I think that this is one of the traps of the modern marketplace. We feel as consumers that we are given choice, which gives us the illusion of freedom when actually that's not true. And that's very much true for women and the way that we relate to beauty, which I'm going to get into. So one one other anecdote I wanted to share comes from art school. And I had a drawing teacher who basically, I was talking about trying to investigate beauty standards through the work that I was doing. And he said to me, he advised me either to play into the stereotypes of the beauty standard or to show its oppression. I didn't want to believe that it was so stark that those were my only two options. I still am grappling with this. I'm still trying to figure out 
the line. I think that's a huge part of this podcast because it's a huge part of my life. And I do also think it's a big part of our culture right now. Everything that we've talked about, what we see on TikTok, about the male gaze, of trying to be free of the male gaze, finding ways to connect with the quote unquote female gaze. And we've talked about on this podcast how difficult it is to parse those things apart. I want to talk about empowerment, right? Because I say this in the book, I have been undeniably rewarded by capitalizing on my sexuality. I talked about this on another podcast I did recently. Actually, that was part of the influence for this episode because I touched on it on that podcast and I was like, I think I want to explain this a little bit more because I was saying the truth, which is that there is no denying that my ability to commodify my body and my image has gained me some type of power, not just financial, but status, right? And the ability to sell the book. And I say this in the introduction, actually. I said, I built a platform by sharing images of myself and my body online, making my body and subsequently my name recognizable, which at least in part gave me the ability to publish this book. And by the way, I would add, have this podcast now. And the book is really a bunch of anecdotes on why being a body and sexualizing myself actually was not empowering. And what I say, which is very much true, and I think about this a lot because, again, the feeling of empowerment, there, there is such a kind of, I think, the marketplace, like, even when you see ads, and we're going to get into this when I talk about Gia, Gia Tolentino's essay, when you see these ads and whatever promising this, like, feeling of whatever, you go to the exercise class or you use this beauty product and you're going to have this confidence, you're going to have this feeling of empowerment. There's so much tied to the kind of emotional weight of the term empowerment that really fascinates me because we don't actually talk about power so much when we talk about empowerment. We talk about the confidence, which by the way is in the definition. The feeling that I got, that I have had of true empowerment, and I say this in the book, I said, whatever influence and status I've gained were only granted to me because I appealed to men. My position brought me in close proximity to wealth and power and brought me some autonomy, but it hasn't resulted in true empowerment. That's something I've gained only now, having written these essays and given voice to what I've thought and experienced. Now let's get into Gia Tolentino and the genius way she talks about the marketplace of beauty after this break. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Okay, we're going to talk about Naomi Wolf's The Beauty Myth, and we're going to talk about Gia Tolentino's essay, Always Be Optimizing, and even play from a TikTok that I saw. Let's start with Naomi Wolf's The Beauty Myth. I actually had the honor of meeting Naomi Wolf, I want to say it was like six years ago, and we had a conversation for Harper's Bazaar that I really enjoyed. This was when my politics were a little different, and since she has become an anti-vaxxer, which sucks, but she wrote this incredible book. If you haven't read it, highly recommend it. She wrote that a woman had to believe three things in order to accept the beauty myth. First, 
she had to, as a woman, believe that beauty is a legit and necessary qualification for a woman's rise to power. Second, she had to ignore the beauty standards, reliance, and chance and discrimination, and instead imagine beauty as a matter of hard work and entrepreneurship, aka attainable, like American dream. Third, she had to believe that the beauty requirement would increase as she herself gained power. Personal advancement wouldn't free her from needing to be beautiful. In fact, success would handcuff her to her looks, to physical self-consciousness and sacrifice even more. So, right, we're talking about already success and beauty being tied together. What Gia says in this essay is today's ideal woman is a type that coexists easily with feminism and in its current market-friendly and mainstream form. And I also actually write about this in the introduction of my book, which is that there was this popularity, this rise in feminism right after basically Blurred Lines, where you saw fast fashion companies making feminist t-shirts, Beyonce danced in front of a giant sign that said feminist, and everything became about choice. If you were able to choose it, if you want to look this way, if you want to dress this way, then that's feminism. And it became really cool to be a feminist, essentially, which, by the way, I would say, like, not actually, (laughs) because I have found that people don't really like when people or femme presenting people talk about feminism that much. Now I feel like we've reached a point where people don't necessarily want to talk about feminists. They'll be like, yeah, I'm a feminist, but they mostly just want to talk about this really gushy word empowerment. To use Gia's line from this, she says, the timidity and mainstream feminism to admit that women's choices, not just our problems, are in the end political has led to a vision of, quote, women's empowerment that often feels brutally disempowering in the end. So this is not news to anyone, but she says the root of this trouble is the fact that mainstream feminism has had to conform to patriarchy and capitalism to become mainstream in the first place. Essentially, Gia talks about the 1950s housewife, the woman in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and how oppression has impacted this ideal woman and how feminism wasn't always a part of it. But now we have this really brutal beauty standard and this way of optimizing ourselves, as the title alludes to, that now is really embedded with feminism. I actually watched a TikTok that I'm going to play from. It's about plastic surgery. Nobody wants to touch because it's supposed to be empowering to have Botox and filler parties. And if that's your cup of tea, I'm not going to judge. I've considered getting Botox and I probably will at some point in my life because I don't know how I'm going to feel as I get older and I'm treated differently. But are we empowering women or are we pressuring women? There's a difference. And I'm not saying that everyone that gets these procedures does it because they feel pressured. And if that was your takeaway, please, you know, use your noggin. But beauty is currency and we shouldn't have to feel like we look a certain way in order to be treated better by society. And I don't blame the people buying into that system. But gosh, can someone disrupt it? That would be great. So that TikTok is from Fazoli Breadstick. Really like that little TikTok. Um, I think that Gia Tolentino, by the way, wrote the essay in the New Yorker that kind of went viral about Instagram face um, and how everyone's sort of like slowly morphing into the same face, which she actually talked about my face in that um, piece, but that's okay. That's fair. I acknowledge that I'm a part of this new beauty standard and it is what it is. But I think that in this essay, 
related uh, into in Always Be Optimizing and Gia's essay, she's basically talking about the same thing this TikToker is talking about, which is the different ways that we try to achieve beauty and how we then are sold these things by making it feel like we're actually empowering ourselves. So what I'm trying to get at here is that the word empowered has been taken over, has been co-opted by the marketplace, um, by the way of selling us things. So we actually feel like choosing our face wash or getting Botox or whatever is an act of empowerment. And that is why problematic. She says, today's ideal woman is of a type that coexists easily with feminism in its current market-friendly and mainstream form. This sort of feminism has organized itself around being as visible and appealing to as many people as possible. It has greatly overvalorized women's individual success. I said this on the podcast that I did last week, Eileen's podcast. Here's the thing, man. I prefer the word control because even though control is in the definition of empowerment, right? Like finding ways control leads to empowerment. I think that this goes back to the OnlyFans episode, right? Just because you have control doesn't mean that you are empowered. And that's something I have learned in my life and with my decisions as a model, but just as a femme presenting person in general. And that's why I would never say that modeling is empowering or dressing sexy is empowering or wearing makeup is is empowering or posting a sexy photo is empowering. It's not. It maybe potentially can gain you some kind of power in the sense of influence or money, but do not be fooled by these advertisements specifically and these corporations that have sold us this this feeling and this idea that these products are going to lead to freedom or women's liberation. I, again, like the term control more. I'm going to be relying on it, but I just really wanted to explain why I fucking hate the term empowerment and why I'm over it. And I want to open this conversation up to all of you as per usual. So go to hilo.fm, submit your audio notes on your thoughts about the word empowerment, and let's get into it next week with our talk back. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hi Low with Emrata is a Sony Music Entertainment, Bitch Era Media, and Something Else production. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, and Sarita Wesley. Our senior producer is Medina Parwana, and our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh. Thanks for listening.